Welcome to the unofficial House of Wind book club, ran by two best friends and self-declared members of the Night Court. Today we are discussing chapters 9 and 10 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. Hi, Libby. How's your week going? It's going. My husband may or may not have assisted and then unassisted in the search for a lost cat locally. Uh, What do you mean? Okay, so for... For a couple months now, there's been these signs up, these like homemade signs about this lost Siamese cat. (laughs) And we went to the gas station up the road like a few days ago. And my husband was filling up the car and then he ran in the gas station uh, to grab snacks because we like snacks. And he came back to the car and was like, there's this really cute cat. I was like, oh, man, like what it looked like. And he was talking about how it looked like that one cat from like Lady and the Tramp, the, you know, the, the two cats. And I was like, oh, you mean Siamese? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, it was really familiar. I was like, you mean like the lost cat in our area? The one where there's signs all over? And he was like, oh, my God. I was like, is it still there? And he was like, no, it ran off. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like you found the lost cat and you did nothing. He's like, I didn't know it was the lost cat. But on these signs, it's like it needs its medication. So I really, I don't know. I'm so sorry. How is it still alive then? I I wonder if it's one of those things where like it doesn't actually need medication. But it's like if you tell people it needs medication, they're going to like. They're going to search a little bit harder. Right. They're going to work a little bit harder to get it back to you. I really hope that's the case because. (laughs) That's so sad. We felt so bad. (laughs) I was like, you found it and then you unfound it again like (laughs) oh skylar he felt so bad so we're sorry we are so sorry dear missing cat family (laughs) i'm so sorry your cat is still missing but it's alive all right it's hey it could be thriving it could be leader of the stray cats it's probably not but don't say that abby don't say that the cat is having just about of as good as week as i am oh no Libby, can I tell you what has happened in the last seven days? Okay. I'm a little scared to hear it, but yeah, go ahead. So I went to Rome with my friend that came to visit, and that sounds like a great thing. It does. Except that Apple Maps on the way to the train station in Venice um, brought us to a road that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we almost missed our train because we physically could not get to the train station. So you could almost say that you were roaming in rome no we were roaming in venice even worse my pun didn't hit no we finally get to the train station and get to our train with literally 30 seconds to spare we sit in the wrong seat at first so then we sit in the right seat and we go to rome the first day in rome is a dream it's like everything i thought rome would be well i didn't know that the next day was um italy's independence day oh so like italy's fourth of july and the entire city of rome was shut down for a military parade which sounds fun yeah um but we weren't aware that fifty thousand people would be coming to rome 
And those people would then be in the middle of the city, causing none of the buses or any of the transport to be running. Mm. No metro, no subway. We were just kind of like, you know, stranded in the middle of Rome. Which is ideal for two people who are not native to Rome and essentially don't know where they're at. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And have anxieties. <laughs> Had a full on panic attack in the middle of the Rome and couldn't find a bathroom because all of the restaurants were closed down. If you use the phrase watery bowels in this, in this story, Abby. No, I mean, I did, but you know, so we eventually get back home and the weekend's fine. And then she leaves. I'm going to let you guys know we're recording two episodes in one night. So I did tell you the last episode about how my dog tried to cross the Rainbow Bridge a little bit too early. And by a little bit, I mean a lot too early by eating rat poison. <clears throat> so we had to deal with that. So I thought my best friend was going to die for like three days. And then I got screamed at on the highway on the side of the, like in the middle of the highway. And one side of me was a mountain and the other side was like a 300 foot drop down to a lake. Mm -hmm. This Italian man like slammed on his brakes trying to cause me a car accident, then got out of his car and started screaming at me and like giving me the finger. As one does. All because... I wouldn't pass on a blind turn. I wouldn't pass some bikers on a blind turn. And I was all by myself, and that was terrifying. And then we tried to record a podcast on Sunday, yesterday. We had tornadoes in my area, and the power got cut, and we lost all the audio. You know, Libby, I'm just asking for some thoughts and good good vibes from our listeners. Can I please have a better week? I'm going to channel Bridgerton here. Prayers. Sorrows and prayers. Is it sorrows and prayers? Sorrows and prayers. Sorrows and prayers. Yeah, that's, that's how I'm feeling. So I'm trying to see the positives, but there's a lot. Of, that's a lot in one week. I'm going to say, you know, the cat, the missing cat is living in a warm beach climate. They seem to have it a lot easier than you do this last week. Oh, I forgot to tell you, on the way to the train station... How is there more? Um, on the way to the Venice train station to catch our train, um, all of a sudden, my car starts playing an error sound, like an alert. Your car? Yeah, and goes, severe system failure. No. I'm sorry, what? We were an hour from our house, an hour away, and our check engine light had been like flickering for a week, but it never stayed on, right? It would like turn on, turn off, turn on, like literally flickering. So I'm like, it can't be that bad if it's not staying on. Oh no. Because that's my logic. Uh, We were 100% out of oil. I don't, how, how? There was no oil in the car. Thankfully it didn't explode or overheat. And I'm just counting that as my like one blessing for the week. But Dude, I'm ready to have a good podcast and get rid of this bad juju. I'm going to hold my crystals and try to have a better week. Talking about oil, car oil, to, to make it a little bit lighter of a mood. My husband's favorite joke, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. He loves dad jokes. Um, is He sent a picture of himself changing the oil in our car. And he like had a picture of like vegetable oil next to him. And he sent it to his brother who's like really into cars. And obviously like really frustrated and stressed him out is this the right oil he loves stuff like that he loves dad jokes he he gets a straw and like he'll put it in a drink and he'll blow bubbles through the straw and he's like oh man it's upside down and then he'll flip it and use the straw the right way and it's like the dumbest thing in the world 
James also loves dad jokes. And my other best friend, Lindsay. Oh, no. Him and her together in the same room, it's terrifying. Because it's dad jokes back and forth. And they think they're hilarious. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, my God. You know what, though? Dad joke people are the best kind of people. Like, and sincerely, truly, like, you can't force a dad joke. I mean, you can force a dad joke. But, like, if you're not a dad joke person, you can't force yourself to be a dad joke person. Olivia, I feel like we should change our question this week to what's your favorite dad joke. To whoever stole my copy of Microsoft Office, I will find you. You have my word. Oh, stop. Olivia, how do you organize a space party? You plan it. Okay. I could keep going, but I'm not going to. Actually, our real question this week is, what's the worst date you've ever been on? So my husband and I have been dating since high school. So it it would have to go pre that timing. So like in middle school, it was like one of the first, I guess you could call it a date. I was, it was in like eighth grade and it was chaperoned and it was for Valentine's Day. And I went with this boy and his mom took us to the movies he gave me this like one of those like two dollar box of heart chocolates from like the store that you get cute right i'm thinking oh and he's like my mom made me get it and i was like oh okay and then i opened it and it was like there were like two pieces left he's like and i got hungry on the way here and i was like okay (laughs) are you serious i'm so serious and he was just awful and his mom was just like stop like You don't have to tell her. I wasn't going to rat you out. And like his mom was wonderful. So like if I had been there for his mom, it would have gone great. He was not. He was not great. (laughs) Oh my God. I can. (laughs) No, it just kept getting worse. I don't even remember what we saw. It was really bad. And then like. It didn't, obviously, it didn't end up working out very clearly. It didn't work out. Yeah, I was going to say, your middle school, your middle school date was not your husband. (laughs) But he sent my brother a message on Facebook, like, a week later and was like, I'm not into your sister, but you're really cool. We could be friends. And my brother, he's four years younger than me, uh, showed it to me and he was all frustrated. And he, like, my brother was just, like, the best person. He responds back. And says, you just lost the best thing that you're ever going to know. Don't ever talk to me again. And I was just like, oh, Oh. right. Like he was like, he was like eight at the time. What a good response. So it was the worst date ever, but like. Good memory from it. I mean, looking back, it's hilarious now. And like my brother is just, I was just like, see, he's amazing. So Libby, I have a couple. I don't know how to choose. No. Um, So Libby (laughs) found her husband in high school. I found my husband at 24. As most normal people do, though. Okay, that's you say that in a, <laughs> that's a normal thing. But Libby, you know the sentence, there's a lot, lot of fish in the sea? Yeah, yeah. I fished a lot. That's fair. That's a fair statement. I went on many fishing trips and found an assortment of different fish <laughs> in the sea. And... We can say, I don't think it's a date, but I, my ex-fiance, I found out had a wife while we were engaged. Do you remember that? Does that automatically mean all the dates were bad? The worst dates? I don't know. I think the worst one was when I found out his mom wasn't dead from brain cancer. (laughs) I think that's a pretty bad one. That sounds rough for his mom and for you. That was, that was rough. So that was a pretty bad date. Does she know that he killed her off? Does she know that he wrote her out of the story? 
Oh, yeah. He also lied about being deployed to Afghanistan. Mm. Mm. And lied to his whole family about it. And I found out from Snapchat maps <laughs> that he was not <laughs> in Afghanistan. All I'm saying is I'm really glad I found my husband. I'm really glad you found your husband, too. Let's get into a different type of red flag. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Our favorite red flags from our favorite characters. All right. Let's do this. Chapter nine. The chapter opens with Feyre making plans to find Lucian, who Alice reveals to be preparing to leave for Border Patrol. As Feyre hurries to Lucian, she is interrupted by Tamlin, attempting again to flirt with her by teasing her for her lack of tripwires. Feyre is still distant and cold with Tamlin as he invites her on a ride across the grounds. Feyre turns him down twice, much to Tamlin's dismay, before hurrying off again to find Lucian. Lucian is grinning at Feyre when she meets him in the stables. Lucian teases playfully and asks her if she is going for a ride or running away, then invites Feyre on his patrol. Feyre joins him and prays that Tamlin doesn't show up. Within the woods, Favor consumes the sun-illuminated colors of the plants and flowers. She devours the shapes and textures of the path lying before her, convincing herself her observations would be helpful in possible survival scenarios. Lucian breaks her silence and questions why Favor hasn't begun hunting. Favor quips back that there is already more than enough food on their table. Less than two sentences later, Favor is pulled back into the tauntingly beautiful sights and smells of the wilderness surrounding them. However, she can't blame survival this time. Favor breaks her own silence, asking Lucian if being an emissary includes patrol duty. It does not. Lucian is taking on some of the late Andrus's duties. The weight begins to hit Feyre of realizing that this was Andrus's home, his friends, and he was deeply missed. Lucian shares that he knows why Feyre sought him out, to convince him to help free her from the treaty. Unfortunately, as much as Lucian would love to be rid of her, he cannot help. Feyre eventually inquires why the blight magic made the mask stick to their faces here, and Lucian laughs about it being from hell. Almost as quickly as he is amusing himself, Lucian begins to fear that a mysterious she will find out about his crude jokes. Fair questions who she is, but Lucian isn't interested in offering her more information to betray them with. Fair focuses instead on finding weaknesses on Lucian by asking his age, old he provides, and if he too has powers. Lucian tells her that only Tamlin can shapeshift. The only reason Andrus could shapeshift was from Tamlin being able to shift them into those other forms. Lucian doesn't have special powers like other lesser fae. He cannot do things like grant answers to any question when trapped. Farah is annoyed and spitefully asks how Lucian got the scar on his face. Almost as a warning, Lucian tells her he got it from not keeping his mouth shut. Farah is suddenly curious about the fairy species who can answer any question when trapped. The cereal, old, wicked, and not worth the danger, Lucian advises. Instantaneously, Lucian is advising Feyre not to react, just stare ahead. Feyre begins to tremble, Lucian goes pale, and their horses show signs of fear. And then Feyre feels it. And that's chapter nine. I like how she just says, feels it. Right. It just feels what? Cliffhanger. What? She doesn't end chapters on cliffhangers. No, that is not like our bestie at all. Our bestie would never. Except she would and she does. Every time. Chapter 10. Feyre froze as the cold crept by her. She couldn't see anything except for vague shimmering at the edge of her sight. The woods around her seemed to freeze as well, and Feyre forced her body to relax. The creature passed, whispering in a primitive voice that Feyre heard from the inside of her mind. It promised to grind her bones, drink her marrow, eat her flesh. 
The monster stated that it was what she feared and dreaded, to look at it. She needed to look at it. Farah looked anywhere but the monster. Breathing became hard as her throat began to close up from fear. Look at me, it said. Again and again. Farah attempted to fill her mind with pleasant things. Thoughts of hot bread, full stomachs, and meeting with Isaac. She was so cold she began to shake. Look at me, it pleaded a final time. Farah was so close to giving up, her eyes began to burn, but finally the creature disappeared into the woods. Lucian informed Farah that the creature that had just confronted them was called the Bog. It couldn't be hunted and it couldn't be killed, because when you looked at it, when you acknowledged it, that's when it became real and could kill you. Farah admitted to him that the monster spoke inside her head, begging her to look at it. Lucian joked that he was glad she didn't look because cleaning up that mess would have ruined his whole day. Feyre didn't smile. They continued walking through the woods when Feyre finally began to ask her prying questions. She asked if Lucian had fought in the war and offended. He stated he wasn't that old. She asked if he was indeed a warrior and he said he wasn't as good as the High Lord, but he could handle his weapons. He asked if she wanted to learn how to fight with a sword, but condescendingly followed it up with, since she took down his friend, she probably didn't need his help. She stated she didn't know how to use the sword, but only to hunt. Lucian began to insult the mortal human again, and then Lucian began to insult the mortal human again, and instead of taking it, Feyre spit back, asking if he ever stopped being such a prick. Lucian smiled in response. But when they returned to dinner, Lucian's unpleasant demeanor also returned. Tamlin, looking to be in an even worse mood than Lucian, sat at the table, goblet in hand, waiting for them. Lucian explained that they went on a hunt. Tamlin, of course, already knew that, and curtly asked if the two had fun together, anger radiating from his words. He was seething in his seat, staring at the two together. With the silence hanging between the three, quietly, Lucian told Tamlin what had happened earlier that afternoon. The bog was in the forest. Tamlin's anger surged as he bent the fork in his hand and demanded Lucian tell him where in the forest they ran into the monster. Listening to Lucian describe the location of the bog, Tamlin's fury turned into an intense calmness which was even more alarming to Feyre. Tamlin quickly peered at Feyre before shutting the door behind him. Lucian took a deep breath and told Feyre that Tamlin was off to kill the monster. She wasn't sure how anybody could willingly go seek out such horror, but realized it wasn't her problem. While Lucian stared off into the abyss, Feyre feasted on the meal in front of her and then headed back to her room. She couldn't sleep, so instead she stared into the garden to see if Tamlin had returned. Nothing. She sharpened the kitchen knife on a stone she had stole from the garden and waited. After an hour, he had still not returned. She began to feel stupid sitting there and waiting. Why did she even care if he returned? She was ready to give up and go to bed, but then she saw something moving in the garden. It wasn't Tamlin, but someone was out by the hedges. It was a man, hunched, looking towards Feyre. He stepped into the light that flowed from the house, and Feyre looked into her father's eyes. Again, this is three episodes in a row, Libby. Three episodes in a row we are ending on cliffhangers. What is this? Four, five, or six uh, chapters on Cliffhanger. Oh my gosh. Bestie, you're killing us. I mean, it's smart. We keep going. We keep reading. I was saying a couple episodes ago how I was uh, like sick of the, the world building and I wanted some action. Well, here's the action. Found it. You just, you can't have it all at once. I mean, you can, you can keep reading. We've said this before. You don't have to wait for us. You can have it all. Again, Libby, you had a really long chapter and I feel kind of bad because my chapter was all of like four pages. I feel through reading these, Tamlin's getting angry. He's getting frustrated with not just Feyre at this point, but it looks like Lucian, almost like he's irritated that Feyre is favoring Lucian. And I don't think that he sees the big picture because Feyre clearly isn't. Oh my God. His anger 
when they walked in together. Well, because, like, listen, the girl, like, straight up denied him. He's like, do you want a tour? Over and over. Do you want a tour? And he's, she's like, uh, no, I'm good. And then goes out to seek Lucian to go on a ride. On the same possible, I mean, it's a patrol duty, but still, basically a tour, just not from him. She's like, I mean, yeah, I want to see the grounds, just not with you, sir. I'd be mad. Yeah, I'd be offended. I think it's great. But it's not great. That he can't keep his cool. I mean, I guess he's keeping his cool, but he's not keeping his cool at the same time, like by showing his claws. And you can see it like in the way his facial expressions are described or the the words he's speaking. He's clearly irritated. And it's almost like if he got to peer behind the curtain, it's not like Lucian and Feyre are super buddy-buddy. Like, they're snipping at each other. No, he's still being a jerk to her. Right. Like, they're not besties. It's just, it's a step up from Tamlin in her eyes, I guess. I just realized I don't have a favorite quote from these chapters. I don't either. I, okay, look. Really? I tried. I really did. There was nothing that truly stuck out to me for quotes on these two chapters. That doesn't mean they're bad chapters. That doesn't mean we don't like them. No, I think these are my favorite chapters so far because there's actually action, but... Right. There just wasn't anything that stood out to me, quote, that that like really moved me. It was just a very entertaining portion of the book, finally. Finally, that's so rude, Bestie. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But okay, I like that we are officially getting another character because we've had like the four Alice, Lucian, Tamlin, Feyre, and they're all themselves. Like they're, they're all very distinct, but it's nice that we, I mean, we kind of got introduced to two new characters, the surreal and the bog. And there's a mysterious she. Oh, how did we forget this? Who is she? Right. And why is Lucian so freaked out by her? I, to the point that I, I I go through and I highlight every new character, right? And I just had to highlight her. And I said in all caps, who? Who? Excuse me? Because if Lucian, the smartass, is that worried about her, she's got to be somebody. And like, she's, he's worried that they're, he's worried that they're being listened to by her. Who? Yeah. In the middle of the woods, might I add you. It's not even like they're surrounded by people. They're by themselves on horseback in the middle of the woods. And he's terrified that she heard this one-off joke that he made. Farrah says, and her, who scared Lucian enough to make him worry, to make him afraid somebody might be listening, spying, monitoring his behavior, even out here. They were on patrol. There was nobody around for miles. What? It makes you wonder, like, how? Like, how? Yeah, what powers do they have to make that a possibility? Right. Are they omnipresent? Like, how are they doing this? And, okay, fact time with Abby. We've got some new facts here. We've got that Lucian doesn't have any, like, powers. He was born literally just to rule. He's a high fae that was born to rule. Uh, He can't shapeshift. But Tam, Tamlin, can shapeshift other people into different shapes if need be, which kind of explains the whole Andrus thing. The High Fae don't have any specific powers the way the Lesser Fairies do, which is kind of kind of screwed with my mind because you would think the High Fae would be the ones with the powers, but no, that's the Lesser Fae have the powers. And that was kind of odd to me because usually in the magical world, the ones that have the powers are the leaders and that's not happening here. Can I just say, I really liked 
the name surreal. Like it just, it sounds ethereal. It sounds mystifying and magical. Surreal. Like, oh, like it sounds. That'd be a good pet name. We've been, we've been looking at a dog. So we might. Well, hold on. We were talking about in the last episode, we were talking about how Tamlin was the one that was being super controlling. But let's be real here. When stuff starts to go down, Lucian is literally like, put your damn bow down and and be silent. You know, I have to say, though, regardless of it, if it had been Lucian or Tamlin in that situation, I wouldn't even have blamed either of them for being. I wouldn't have. I would have done exactly what they wanted with no questions if, if they immediately go that serious. I wouldn't attribute that to the to to being like a character flaw or a character trait of any sort. I would just say that was just a moment in which it's a very serious matter. You you do what they say. The bog. I mean, you can't acknowledge it. If you do, that's it. You're dead. Like you have to literally act as if you don't hear, see, feel any anything. There's there's nothing else going on around you. And it's crazy that he goes from like he's talking about the surreal and that they're you know you can trap them and they'll give you any your answers to any questions that you want. Right? He's feeding her this information. I would be making a list. I would be ready. I'd be like, all right, I got lots of questions. Which she is. I mean. She's very, like, thoroughly listening to him. But then immediately, he's like, put your bow down now. Yeah. I was like, I, I kind of felt it in my chest. I was like, oh my god, what? What is happening? Well, I think the suddenness of his demands, too, probably shook her enough to be like, oh, this is this is serious. Like, he, we were just in mid-conversation, and now he's kidding, demanding. Like, it... it the, just the quickness of, of how it all happened, that would have told me something's going down. Well, and then she feels it. Obviously, she's not looking, but she really wants to. And it keeps saying, just look at me. Look at me. And it's talking to her in her head. That by itself is insane. That, like, I know it should scare me, but in a way, it makes me so sad. And it shouldn't. It's just me being ridiculous here but like this creature is so desperate for for attention and love it's like oh but like i shouldn't be we all know it's a deadly bad thing don't do it but like then there's the livy that's like oh it's so sad you have so much more sympathy for these creatures than i do look you don't know he just needs a friend well libby you can't feel bad it's literally saying i will grind your bones i'll drink your marrow i'll feast on your flesh i am your nightmare i can't I know. I mean, when you get to that part, it's like, yeah, no, never mind. Don't look at him. But like, when it's just like, look at me, it's like, oh, it just makes me sad just thinking about something. Be like, acknowledge me. Like, Libby, it does say that I will grind your bones first. Okay. I said when you get to that part, it changes. <laughs> Before then, when it's just. He doesn't say, look at me at first. He just says, like, the first thing that he says into her mind is, I'm going to grind her bones between my claws. So I, my sympathy is immediately taken away <laughs> the minute somebody threatens to, like, you know, crush my bones. All right. I just, I want to say these bullet points were written post uh, wisdom tooth extraction on medication. <laughs> I was very sad for this thing in, we in a weird way. This was my reading it high moment. There you go. I was so sad. He literally, he's like, <laughs> 
well, the monster doesn't have a gender, but it's like, look at me. After it says all this stuff and it's like singing these, and this ancient, like thrumming voice saying like, look at me, I'm going to eat you, blah, blah, blah. just look at me. Ferris to the point where her eyes are literally watering because she wants to look so bad. Oh. Or just when she's about to break, he goes into the woods. And her first thing out of her mouth was, was that the surreal? <laughs> no. Lucian's like, no, and you don't want to know what that was. Oh, my gosh. See, no, you can't say that to me. You can't say you don't want to know. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Now that you said it, I do more than anything ever. ever. Well, I guess I can say my favorite quote, we're putting that in, in quotation marks here, is because when you look at it, when you when you acknowledge it, that's when it becomes real. That's when it can kill you. Because, I mean, you, you can put that towards anything. I feel like that... It's situational, though. That I mean, there are things where by not acknowledging it, yeah, you're taking away its power. But then there are other things by not acknowledging it, are you really letting it consume you by not addressing it? So I, I feel like it's a it can go either way. I do have to say, our bestie did lighten the mood. She was able to go from a very serious, like, uh, about-to-die moment, and within a page, she has uh, Feyre calling Lucian a prick. <laughs> So that was great. Yes. And then I love when they both come back and Tamlin is sitting there seething, just waiting for them. Yes. He's pissed. Because I wonder, I almost want to see the chapter. I want to see a chapter where he realizes that she did go on a ride and it was with Lucian. And I want to know his thoughts and his, like, I want to know his perspective. I want to know his... Like his his side of the story? Yeah. Like, what did he see and think? How is he feeling? Because from, from where we're sitting at this point, Tamlin's just this pissy, mean, controlling guy. Like, I want to know more. Give me a little more depth. Why? Like, is he jealous? Or is he... I'm going to think he's jealous, Libby, because he's literally sitting there with his claw circling his goblet of wine, just like seething. And that, that to me, like, we like a little bit of jealousy in our books. It makes it kind of interesting and fun. Mm -hmm. However, I don't like the threatening image of him stirring with his claws, like... Homeboy couldn't just, like, hold his wine glass and twirl it around like a normal jealous guy. Like, he has to get a claw out. So that's really gross now that I think about it. And, like, I love how he goes from being this really jealous dude. Like, I, I know you guys were together. To just eating, like, completely ignoring them. And Lucian has to be like, Tam, hey, we have an issue. So he goes from being seething angry about them being together to then being literally livid that the the bog was there and my favorite part of this chapter was when he goes from being so angry like outwardly angry to intensely calm because i don't know if your husband does this but mine does if he is very angry about something he's not angry to the world he's not outrightly angry he is quiet and that's terrifying it takes a lot like a lot for my husband to get angry in the first place there's very few times but yeah like and i wouldn't say he shuts down but yeah just very very quietly no it's an intense calmness it's like contained rage it's the eye of the storm it's the middle of the storm and you're like oh no literally and james does that james does it very rarely but it is usually when it's down to like protecting 
And this is exactly what Tam's doing. He's saying, hey, somebody is attacking my land, attacking my people in my space. I'm going to kill it. And instead of like getting outrightly angry, I mean, he does like bend the fork in half. I can give him that though. Cause like your, your best friend, I'm assuming they're best friends. Have we, yeah. Like that was just, you know, it, it is, it's his land. It's his people that are being threatened by this, this being that simply acknowledging it, that, that's the, that's it. You're dead. I can understand him being mad and threatened and angry about that. But that's directed at something that can bring actual harm and not a 19-year-old girl who wants to, the freedom to choose when to sit and eat or when to stop eating or when to go to bed. <laughs> and it's funny because he immediately doesn't, doesn't, quote, care about them in that moment. He immediately go, he just leaves the room. But something that did kind of make my heart twinge a little bit is he looked back at Feyre before he left. Not at Lucian. He looked back and stared at Feyre. And now it's through a glance in my direction before stalking out of the room and shutting the door, right? So it's not, it's not this loving look, but he did give her the time of the day before he went out. Almost like this is for her too. And so then, then Feyre goes, uh, where's he going? And it just makes me laugh that Lucian's like, to kill the bog, even though I told you that wasn't possible. Uh, Tam can do it. He can. Yeah, he's got it. What? You just left that out earlier? Oh my God. And then the last page of the chapter. God, there's so much information in the last page of the chapter. Yes. She realizes he's going to kill it, but you know what? That's not my problem. Okay, let him go kill it. I'm going to eat my meal. And Lucian's like staring off moodily into the distance, like really like contemplating what just all happened and really in his own world. And she's like, I'm going to eat all this food and I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. Bye. But she gets to her room and then she finds herself looking out to see if he has come back. I feel like she's like, oh, I just want to see, you know, if he makes it or not. And no, come on. Like, let's be honest. She she picked up on the glance he gave her. She's more, it's more than just trying to see if he he's strong enough to beat it. I, I feel like there's a hint of interest there well she even goes ridiculous it's completely ridiculous that i'm even looking for him like i don't care girl this is what we call denial come on (laughs) it's the beginning farah look we don't have to all love tamlin but like let's not pretend you're not feeling something there like she sees something move out and she literally like lunged for the curtains to hide herself because she didn't want to like have him see that he was looking for or she was looking for him which he probably would have. Like, being realistic, he probably would have immediately have seen it. Yeah. Of course. But then, of course, our bestie leaves us with the biggest cliffhanger and goes, her dad was there. Are you kidding me? Which, I'm sorry. This man finally is doing something? Finally? Stepped up to the plate? Is it sad that I'm like, he is, in Sarah's own words, crippled? How was he able to make the the two-day journey? Is it sad? You know, it makes me angry. It makes me angry that he has the ability to get through the wall, get through the the wilderness and wherever else fight off whatever whatever fairies are out within Prithian that are such a risk for Feyre and get to her, but he can't find a job. He can't do anything to protect or provide for his family, but he can do that. He makes his youngest daughter hunt daily and freeze in the wood while he sits by the fire. Right. You had the ability to do all of this this whole time, my guy. 
But you know what? It's because she's gone. And I think he realized everything that she did. It shouldn't have taken that much, sir. That was, I gotta, I gotta give it to her though. That was a good ending. It was. Literally my jaw dropped. Did I keep reading? Yes. Of course we did. Will you keep reading? You should. Will we be talking about it this week? No. Come back. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. No, but really, like, ah! On that cliffhanger, are you ready for our star of the week? Tell me about her. Okay. Her name is Celestial Creations, which we love the alliteration. Adorable. She's both on Etsy and Instagram. She gave us a little blurb for all of our listeners, so I'm going to go ahead and read that. She says, I'm Sarah. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and started my Etsy a little over a year ago. I pulled the trigger on a circuit and started making all things witchy, whimsical, spooky, and cute. It was definitely a slow start, but I have loved every minute of it. I love thinking up new items and designs to create and have a blast coming up with cute ways to pack them and make and make the experience for the buyer extra special. I've been slowly building up my Instagram following and getting to meet other creators slash shop owners has been so lovely. That is actually how I got into Akatar. I was hearing so much about it. I just had to see what it was all about. I'm so grateful I did. Though it has kind of become my entire personality trait and my shop, but what can you do? Honestly, my SD shop is a hobby right now, though I do love to dabble in random crafts I see on TikTok, going on walks with my boyfriend, reading and cuddling with my cat, Ollie. I am most proud of how far my little shop has come. I design, produce, publish, market, and pack everything on my own. Hopefully one day it can be a full-time job. I'd be so happy if your listeners would follow me and check out my shop. I have plans to add more bookish slash Sarah J Mass items in the coming months and do frequent giveaways. And speaking of, she is so freaking fantastic that she has given us a 15% off coupon for her shop, which there is a bag in that shop that Libby and I have not quit talking about. It's got our favorite quote from the whole Akatar series in it. And I need a new gym bag. And now I got 15% off. So that thing's going in my cart today. That is my favorite thing in our whole shop. You get 15% off. Our listeners get 15% off. Everyone who uses the code. The code is ACATAP15 and it gives you 15% off. We will, of course, put the link in our show notes. If you guys want to go over it and see what our shop has to offer, I personally am obsessed with it. Calling all dreamers. We want to hear from you. Send us an email to a court of thorns and podcasts at gmail.com. Slide into our Instagram DMs. Check us out on TikTok. Tell us everything. Slide in. We're waiting. We love to talk to you guys. I'm not kidding, for real. Give us the icebreaker questions. Let us know what you want to hear on the podcast. If you want to be our star of the week, test us, man. Send it in. We would love to hear from you guys, for real. Uh, So, for real, reach out, please. Please. We're so lonely. We're lonely. To the people who listen and the dreams that are answered. We'll see you next week. And remember, don't let the hard days win. Oh no, Libby's gone. Libby, where are you? I gotta call her back.